Hey there, it's me, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, that redheaded actor from Modern Family. I have a podcast. It's combining a couple of my favorite things, talking and food. Please join me as I dine with the biggest names in entertainment, people like Julie Bowen, Kristen Bell, Fred Armisen, and so many more. It's called Dinners on Me, and you're invited. Am I saying a chocolate souffle is going to get me to reveal all of my secrets? Yeah, I am. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Today, in service to our duty to the Constitution and to our country, the House Committee on the Judiciary is introducing two articles of impeachment charging the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, with committing high crimes and misdemeanors. After weeks of private and public hearings in two House committees, congressional Democrats released articles of impeachment against President Donald Trump. The announcement came in a news conference early Tuesday morning, and the nine-page document, the written articles of impeachment, were released shortly after. This historic moment is only the fourth time in American history that a sitting president has faced articles of impeachment. So what exactly is laid out in these articles? Why the Democrats choose these specific ones? And now that they're officially in writing, might that change how this whole thing ends? This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency and what happens when branches of government collide. I'm Allison Michaels. I picked up the phone and called congressional reporter Mike DeBonis over at the Capitol, where he's been covering the day's events. Mike, where are you right now? Uh, I'm in the Senate press gallery. All right. What's it been like today on the Hill, generally speaking? It was uh, quite something. There was a lot going on. <laughs> All right. Well, kind, let's... Of, kind of a little whiplash moment, oh. I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about that stuff. So a committee chairman held a news conference announcing the articles of impeachment. As they announced the articles, which we'll discuss in a second, what are the overarching reasons that these Democrats gave for why they must move forward with impeachment? They basically repeated what has been presented in the House Judiciary Committee this week and the House Intelligence Committee over the past couple months, which is basically they made the case that the president is a clear and present danger to national security and to the Constitution. And they said that this is certainly deserving of the most grave uh, consequence that the, the Constitution lays out, which is impeachment. And these reasons came after what was a pretty rambunctious hearing in front of the Judiciary Committee on Monday, where Democrats attempted to lay out this case for the the final time before they drafted articles. What were the main points that they laid out in the Monday hearing that the Democrats laid out? They covered a lot of ground. This was basically meant to present the Intelligence Committee findings. I think they basically took what was in their report, laying out this alleged effort to try and get Ukraine to launch these politically advantageous investigations using this White House meeting that they badly wanted and the security aid that they wanted even more badly than that as leverage to accomplish it. They basically said this is an abuse of power. This is using public office and the trappings of the presidency for personal political gain. And that's exactly what the founders warned against. And that's basically was the predicate for this impeachment. And then what were Republicans' key rebuttals to those arguments on Monday in the hearing? Well, they basically said the Democrats hadn't proved their case, that they left evidence on the table, they didn't interview key people, they engaged in a very rushed process that was more 
motivated by politics than by the actual actual facts here, and spent a lot of time you know poking holes where they could. They took a lot of shots at Adam Schiff for the way he conducted his investigation. In particular, spent a lot of time about the the phone records he got that that implicated uh, a member of Congress, Devin Nunes, and having some knowledge of this Ukraine scheme. And basically, it was the sort of this potpourri type of attack that uh, they've been engaged in for several months now. We heard the last arguments from Democrats and Republicans before we saw these articles of impeachment. And it amounted to these two articles of impeachment that the Democrats named in their news conference on Tuesday. The first article is for abuse of power. What falls under the abuse of power article of impeachment, according to the, the document and what the Democrats have said? The abuse of power article is basically lays out this scheme to pressure Ukraine to conduct these investigations using the White House meeting and security funding as leverage. The articles themselves sort of deal in the broad strokes. They don't get into the the nitty-gritty of every twist and turn. That's all in the Intelligence Committee report, which is underlying the the articles themselves. You know, the exact wording is that Trump used the powers of his presidency in a matter that compromised the national security of the United States and undermined the integrity of the United States democratic process. What they didn't get into, that there was some speculation that they might, is, you know, make a case that he committed bribery, which is a specific offense named in the Constitution that warrants impeachment. They didn't really go there. They basically, you know, just made the case that the president, you know, used his office corruptly to accomplish his own political personal gains and kind of left it at that without going into the nitty gritty. So at the same time that it's broad, it's also narrow to some extent. Is it intended to apply only to the specifics of Ukraine or might this article be applied more broadly to other things? It it sticks pretty closely to Ukraine, but but it goes broad in terms of describing the the offenses they say he committed. The the conduct that they detail only really pertains to Ukraine, but they're saying that, you know, he's betrayed the nation, he's abused his high office, he's enlisted a foreign power to corrupt democratic elections, he's injured national security. I mean, those are very broad claims, but they're all ultimately rooted in what he did regarding Ukraine. Let's move on to the second article, obstruction of Congress. President Trump engaged in unprecedented, categorical, and indiscriminate defiance of the impeachment inquiry. What does that mean? Well, it basically says that the president has improperly obstructed Congress from doing its job under the Constitution. The Democrats have made the case that our system of government only works when the various branches of government are able to do their jobs, so that they're able to conduct the oversight, provide the checks and balances that the Constitution provides for. This article goes through how they believe the president has obstructed that, has prevented Congress from doing its job, that he directed his officers, his departments, and his agencies not to comply with subpoenas, to say, I'm not going to cooperate with this, and therefore acted in contradiction of the Constitution. How is obstruction of Congress different from obstruction of justice? Well, this is a congressional proceeding that they're alleging that he obstructed with. Obstruction of justice tends to mean a you know, law enforcement investigation, something that the Department of Justice would 
conduct, not that Congress would conduct. And there was some discussion of that in, in so much as it pertained to the Mueller investigation, the efforts by the FBI and the Justice Department to get to the bottom of what happened in his 2016 campaign with regard to Russian interference. In that sense, it was an obstruction of justice that they were looking at, but they ultimately did not specifically talk about any of that conduct. They, they kept it solely to his actions with regard to the congressional investigation. Hi, everyone. I'm investigative journalist Kylie Lowe, and I'm here to tell you about my weekly podcast, Dark Down East. Each episode, I take you to my home in New England, where we truly get to know the people at the center of the cases we dive into. Join me and dig into some cases you won't hear about anywhere else. Listen to new episodes of Dark Down East every Thursday, or check out the extensive catalog of existing episodes now, wherever you listen to podcasts. So you touched on this a little bit before, but were these articles accompanied by a new report by judiciary or do they present new evidence or is it really based on the material collected in the House Intel report that we saw last week? So the Judiciary Committee is going to put out a a lot of paper here. They've already put out a report analyzing the legal basis for concluding that the president has committed high crimes and misdemeanors. You know, they're amassing a, a, a very voluminous record of testimony and documents and other things, in addition to what the House Intelligence Committee put out as their report. You know, they've sent not only that report, but a lot of their, basically all of their investigative materials. The Judiciary Committee has investigative materials of its own that they're likely to include in the record. So, you know, this the articles themselves are nine pages, so there's going to be potentially a thousand times that or more in the ultimate record that underlies this uh, entire impeachment proceeding. So then given how sizable that record is, what was missing from these articles of impeachment that we might have expected to see based on earlier reporting or, or things the Democrats had been saying? Well, th- there were a couple of things that I we know that they were looking at. They were looking at obstruction of justice as it related to the Mueller investigation. There were, you know, there were 10 instances of potential obstruction of justice that a prosecutor might have charged, but Moore never made a conclusion on that because he concluded that he couldn't under the current DOJ interpretation of the law, which is the president can't be charged with a crime. But that ultimately, the decision was aimed not to uh, proceed with impeachment on those grounds. There are a few members that want to look at violations of the Constitution's Emoluments Clause, which is the prohibition on taking gifts or things of value from foreign powers. They believe that the president's been in violation of that with his hotel business and other matters. That was left out entirely. And, you know, there are people who are just looking at a overall a kitchen sink approach, and that's not what we see here. We saw a pretty narrow and focused effort to focus on Ukraine and the president's efforts to obstruct the Ukraine investigation. Do we know why the Democrats ultimately took that narrow approach? I think it's, you know, it's a matter of internal politics. It's a matter of they've had a goal of wrapping this up by the holidays for, you know, essentially for political reasons and for, you know, internally, there's just a lot of desire to just do this, keep this efficient and wrap it up as quickly as possible. And they, I, I think if Speaker Pelosi has really shown that she wants to stick to that. And I think that drove a lot of the decision making here. All right. Then how have Trump and the Republicans responded to the news of these articles? Uh, They're not happy. Uh, (laughs) I I think that we've just heard a lot more of the same attacks. This is a sham investigation. This is an unfair process. This is 
Democrats who have just simply don't think they can win the next election, basically lashing out at the president, trying to remove him by any means necessary. So what happens now that the articles are finally drafted? Uh, We expect the House Judiciary Committee to hold a meeting later this week to debate those articles, potentially amend them, and forward them to the for the House of Representatives. That could be a really marathon meeting. Right now, it looks like it's likely to be Thursday. That could change, but that's the next step. Is there anything about the specifics of these articles that might change the expectation of what happens in the Senate trial? I don't think so. I think that what we saw in here is is very much uh, in fitting with what was expected uh, to come out of this process. I don't think that there's any language in these articles that's going to change anyone's mind on this, particularly in the Senate. I think that what is potentially persuasive is what is yet to come, particularly particular witnesses who could testify, whether it's John Bolton or Mick Mulvaney or anybody else. But it's still unclear whether any of that additional testimony will come forth in the Senate. And right now, we seem to still be on this trajectory of a Democratic partisan vote in the House to impeach President Trump and a partisan vote in the Senate to against removing him. All right. One last thing I want to ask you about. Today, just after the articles of impeachment were announced, Speaker Nancy Pelosi also announces that the Democrats have reached an agreement with Trump about the new U.S.-Mexico trade agreement called the USMCA. What does the juxtaposition of these two moments reflect about how Congress works and how Congress works with the president, for that matter? So, you know, this is this sort of split screen reality is something that is probably pretty confusing to people outside Congress. In fact, I know it is because I'm on Twitter and people are particularly on the left wing side of the spectrum are basically wondering what, what the heck are they doing here. But, you know, listen, there's a sort of peculiar logic inside the House Democratic Caucus where this makes perfect sense. There are just dozens of freshman members, moderate members who have been desperate to reach some kind of deal with the president, whether it's on trade, whether it's on prescription drugs, whether it's on infrastructure, to show that the you know core message they sent when they ran for election last year is in fact true, that they are going to come and try and work with both parties, get things done, and try and separate the whole oversight and impeachment push from the legislative uh, agenda. And I think that there's just dozens of Democrats who just couldn't be happier that they're going to have something that they can go home and campaign on and say, listen, I I am not spending all my time on impeachment. I'm actually working with Republicans on taking something, making it better and coming to a compromise that is good for the country. And what about from the perspective of the president? Well, I think that the president is going to sell this as his own personal win. I doubt that he's going to give Democrats any credit, at least publicly. I don't think Democrats were really expecting the president to to give them credit. This is just more about what Democrats, the argument Democrats want to make in 2020. So I think the president should be making a different argument. And that's basically where, how things are going to end up. You're going to have two different views of what this is, with the significance of this this trade deal and, and the significance of doing this alongside impeachment. Okay, Mike, on this historic day in American history, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. 
This has been another episode of Can He Do That? If you want more news about the impeachment inquiry, you can now subscribe to a new podcast feed from The Washington Post. All of our audio updates on the inquiry in one place, including the latest from Can He Do That? Post Reports and The Daily 202's Big Idea. Updated whenever news happens. Subscribe at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts. Can He Do That is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by the carefree Carol Alderman with design help from Kat Rudell-Brooks, logo art from Loren Boglio, and theme music by Ted Muldoon. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. 